make them know his covenant. This to me applies to the word of God, that we have the word of the Lord in us, that we're diligent in the study of the scriptures, that we have the knowledge of God in our hearts, that this is part of our duty and responsibility to be men and women of the word. Number four, liturgos, the temple servant. Our duty at the temple when we come to the house of the Lord. This relates to our ministry to the Lord and our ministry to one another. That when we come to church, we're not sluggish in spirit. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We're ready to bless the Lord and magnify his name. We're ready to pray and intercede. We're ready to pray for people. We're ready to encourage the saints. Liturgos, the temple servant. Number five, Okonomos, the responsible servant. This is the word translated steward in the Bible. And a steward was one who managed the affairs for another person. And so tonight, how's our management of the areas we're responsible for? How's our trustworthiness and our faithfulness in the area that we have been given charge, that we administrate properly before the Lord and are well-pleasing in his sight? Number six, Latrice. I'm sorry, Laturgos number four should be the public servant, and Latrice is the temple servant. Sorry for the mistake there. Laturgos is the public servant, number four, our life out in the world, how we represent the Lord, our carriage, our deportment, our demeanor, that when people look at us, they know there's something different. We don't speak the same. We don't act the same. It's the public duty of our life. And then Latrice, the temple servant, our ministry before the Lord. Well, number seven, doulos, the bond servant or love slave of Christ. The bond servant, the love slave of Christ. Paul used this word. It seems to be the most frequent word in the New Testament for the servants of the Lord, that they were honored to call themselves love slaves, bond servants of Jesus Christ. A bond servant, a bond servant, somebody bound to their master. It meant that they had no will of their own. That they served the master, their whole life, their being, their will was swallowed up in the will of their master. That they lived for the master to the disregard of their own will and of their own life. The doulos this love slave. And the Bible calls us that we are love slaves of Jesus Christ. We are bond servants of Jesus Christ. There's an interesting tension or paradox in this word, a love slave. Because on one hand, we are owned by Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, we offer ourselves freely to Jesus Christ. And the two are there together. We are owned by Jesus Christ. The Bible says you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He owns us. We're entirely at his will. Whatever he says, we do. We're the servants of the Lord. We've been purchased, the slaves of Christ. But then there's that other aspect that we offer ourselves to him, that we don't want our own way, that we want to give ourselves without reservation to him and serve his will. There's an illustration in the Old Testament that perhaps captures this, Exodus 21, 1 to 6, concerning the servants and the slaves in Israel. It says, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. 
If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. If someone had a Hebrew servant or slave, in the seventh year, the sabbatical year, he must let that servant go free. But that servant could say, I don't want my own will. I don't want to go my own way. I love my master. I love my family. I love the house. I love the provision. I love serving my master. I will not go out free. And that person could yield his ear to the doorpost. And that ear, the lobe of the ear would be pierced. And that slave would wear a ring in his ear, a love slave for life to serve that master. That's what we are to Jesus Christ. We are those that have said, I don't want to go free. I don't want my own way. I don't want to live my own will. I want to serve my master. I love his house. I love his family. I want to be involved with him all the days of my life. And so we are those that have had our ears pierced at the door of the tabernacle. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord has opened my ear. The Lord has opened my ear. The Lord has pierced my ear. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. No, I said, Lord, I want you to pierce my ear. I want you to drive an all through my ear, and I want to be committed to you forever. Psalm 40 says, my ears you have opened. My ears you have opened. Marginal says, my ears you have digged. You pierced through my ear, and I delight to do your will, O Lord. Isn't it wonderful to know that you are a love slave of Jesus Christ? Not only has he bought us by his blood and made us his servants and he's taking care of us we serve him we labor for him we do his will but on the other side how willingly we have offered ourselves and continue to because we are love slaves of jesus christ a love slave of the lord and then number eight who parates who parates the subordinate servant the under rower the galley slave this word was used of the under oarsmen. It originally was used of rowers on a ship, the under rowers. And the language comes from the military matters where these under rowers, it was applied to servants who were below deck, who were moving the ship, 
manning the oars, as distinguished from shoulder soldiers that were above. Welcome to the warship. How many want to be galley slaves? Move the ship. Man the oars. Woman the oars. The under rowers lived below sea level, S-E-E. -E. They labored below deck. They did everything they could to move that ship so that there could be victories, so there could be conquest. And the Lord calls us to be these under rowers that even though we're not seen and even though we labor below sea level, that we would do everything we can to give and to pray and to serve to make sure the ship moves and that there are victories and there's conquest for Jesus Christ in the earth. You might say, well, I, I wasn't expecting that. I thought the church was a love boat. Well, it is a love boat. The Apostle Paul said, I pray that your love toward one another would abound yet more and more. It is a warm and loving and friendly church. It is a love boat. The most friendly, the most loving people in the world are the people of God, the true people of God. Well, there's the odd little offense or conflict. And we can deal with those by the forgiveness of Christ and the compassion of Christ, but generally there is no more loving place than the house of God and the people of God. You can travel across the world and where you find a true Christian, you will find love and you'll find peace and you'll find safety and refuge and you will never be taken advantage of. The church is a love boat. Say, so, well, I thought it was a cruise ship. I just ride along and, and just, wow, I just see signs and wonders and miracles. Well, you will see signs and wonders and miracles. And as you cruise along, you'll, you'll pass by and see the beautiful landscape, Canaan land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and you'll see Zion's holy hill, and you'll see Bethlehem's stable, You'll see the Mount of Beatitudes. You'll see Calvary's cross. You'll see the upper room. You'll see the New Testament gospels and the works of the Lord. But the church is not only a love boat and a cruise ship, there's more to it. I like what Reinhard Bonnke said. My friends, I am here to tell you the Church of Jesus Christ is not a pleasure boat, but a lifeboat for saving souls, and every hand is needed on deck. I am here to tell you the Church of Jesus Christ is not a pleasure boat, but a lifeboat for saving souls, and every hand is needed on deck. It's a love boat, it's a cruise ship, it's a lifeboat. But let's remember tonight, it's also a warship. It's a warship. It's a war galley. And there are servants on board that do everything they can to move the ship. Unseen in many ways, but they're moving the ship. The warship is there to 
protect its people, the people of the land, the people of the kingdom. The warship is out there, patrolling the waters offshore, scanning the horizon, watching for pirates and invading forces. And oftentimes the pace is usual in the church. Normal speed, no real conflict, no enemy near, but sometimes trouble looms on the horizon and the pace quickens. And sometimes the conflict of such strength that you need ramming speed. Ramming speed. You know the galley slaves? When it came time for the enemy warships and they arrived, the, the, those galley slaves would take to the oars with all their might so that they could ram that ship, that warrior ship, into the side of an enemy warship and strike it through and break it open and gain victories, gain victories. There's times where there was ramming speed. The galley slaves knew the beat of the drums. I don't know about you tonight, but I heard ramming speed. I heard the Holy Spirit lead us by the beat of the drums into warfare, into a conquest for Christ, there's much at stake in the gospel. You know, I hope this brother doesn't mind what I'm going to say right now, but there's a man in this church. As I thought about this message, I thought, Lord, you have an interesting way of giving people names and direction. There's a man in this church, and his last name is Ram Charitar. And he's a true galley slave. He's an intercessor. You know, when I say his name, most of you would not even probably know who he is. Been in for years, been here for years. Sometimes his work takes him to other places, but he comes back and he's always in the prayer room and he's pacing and he's quoting the word of God and he's prophesying over the people of the Lord and he's speaking the word of the Lord over the kingdom and the church. He's an underoar. He's not seen much. But he knows how to move the ship. God can use him to move the ship. You know, Sunday mornings when he's here and he's here now, Sunday mornings he pulls in here at 7.30, quarter to 8, and for two hours goes into a side room and prays and calls on God and intercedes. And Sunday afternoon he comes early to intercede and he prays day and night for the kingdom of God. These are the galley slaves. And all of us need to take on that spirit because we're eight different descriptions in the Word of God and we need to cover every one and say in our heart tonight, I want to be a galley slave. I want to be on the ship. I want to help the kingdom move. I want to help the conquest of Jesus Christ. You know, the galley slaves don't eat the best food. No, they live a fasted life. Because they esteem the words of Christ and of God more than their necessary food. Jesus, aren't you hungry? Did somebody feed you, the disciples said? Jesus said, no. He said, I, my will is to do the, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I'll eat later if I need to. But right now I'm doing the will of God. The galley slaves live a fasted life for the gospel, to help move the kingdom, to be involved in intercessions and prayers and weeping. 
the galley slaves don't live the most pleasurable life. They don't live the most fun-filled life. And it's by choice. It's by design. Because many things to them become frivolous and really have no eternal consequence. And so they're looking, how can I serve the Lord? How can I pray? Where can I intercede? How can I abide in Christ more fully right now so I can be used of God? They carry that spirit. The galley slaves don't wear the finest clothes and has nothing to do with their exterior dress. What did you go out into the wilderness for to see, said Jesus? Did you go to see a, wee, a reed blown in the wind? Did you go out to see the preacher, John Baptist, and hope that he would wa waver so you could somehow ease your own conscience with your own compromise and casualness? What did you go out into the wilderness for to see? Did you go to see a man clothed with soft clothing, Jesus said? He said, those that wear soft clothing dwell in king's houses, they're in the palaces of men. But he said men that really help the kingdom, men like John the Baptist who carry the spirit and power of Elijah, he wore the coarse cloth of a camel's coat, the sackcloth of repentance and weeping and intercession and a burden for the lost men and women of his nation and of the world, and because of his spirit, and because of his weeping, and because of his message, tens upon tens of thousands of people in Israel came out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. The galley slaves. The galley slaves. The huperites, the under rowers, live below deck, labor below deck, not seen much in the eyes of men, but fully seen in the eyes of God. Fully seen by the Lord. How's that to put into your spirit tonight? It doesn't matter so much how we're seen in the eyes of men, but how are we seen in the eyes of the Lord? The under rowers, the galley slaves of the kingdom of God to move, to move the kingdom, to move the ship against the enemy. Acts 13.5 Paul and Barnabas and the apostolic team were sent out by the Holy Ghost from Antioch. The team was with them, Paul and Barnabas and young John Mark. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their huperites, their underrower. Paul and Barnabas. These mighty men, they'd been in the ministry for many years, renowned preachers and teachers, carried the anointing of the Lord, and here was J young John Mark with them. He was called the under rower. Chapter 13 and verse 13, little ways down in the journey. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, Returned to Jerusalem. Young John Mark, out on that apostolic journey. My, he must have had high hopes. He couldn't imagine what was going to take place as they carried the gospel to the nations. But something happened to him, and he got discouraged. He was the under rower. 
the servant. When you are an under rower, when you are a galley slave for the Lord, we must be careful to guard our heart. Because a lot of times things we do go unnoticed. Maybe we're passed over. People don't see us. We live below that sea level. We're laboring. We're doing everything we can. It seems maybe other people are enjoying a free ride in some respects. You may feel that way in your family. My, I give so much. I pray so much. I help so much. And I get so little in return. Listen, take a lesson from the Word of God tonight. You may not be seen in the eyes of men. You may not be appreciated even by your family or people in the house of God or people at your job, but there is one who sees you. And it matters not how we're seen in the eyes of men. It's how we're seen in the eyes of God. Men may not see us, but God sees us fully. And therefore, I commit. I commit to the galleys. I willingly will take the shackles of Christ and move the oars, and move the ship for Jesus Christ. You know, the good news is that young John Mark came to his senses, and Holy Spirit was working on him. He went back to Jerusalem, back home. But the Spirit of God was working on him, and he came out of his failure. And sometime later, we find he was out with Barnabas preaching the gospel, and then he became an associate of the Apostle Peter, and throughout the years of his life in the first century, John Mark came back from his defeat. He came back from his failure. He said, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be an under-roar. I don't care if the Paul and Barnabas or whoever is over me is demanding. I don't care if I labor below deck and nobody sees me and I feel unappreciated at times. I know who I am in Christ. I am an under-roar. I am a galley slave. I will give myself to the gospel. And for the rest of his life, John Mark served the gospel, served the ministry, served the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, years later, wrote and commended John Mark for his work in the gospel. And you know, John Mark wrote the second gospel in the New Testament, the preachings and the sermons of Peter, and has a great place in the history of the kingdom of God. Well, let's have the worship team come. Close out with Acts 26, 16. The word to the Apostle Paul, but rise and stand on your feet. Jesus speaking to him, he said, rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you an under rower, to make you a galley slave and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Can we receive a fresh commissioning tonight? Maybe there's someone here tonight, you're discouraged. You seem to give so much. Pray and give finances and serve. And sometimes you wonder how if, how if people really appreciate your efforts and if you really are making a difference, listen tonight, the Holy Spirit is encouraging you. You are a true under -over. You are the galley slaves of Christ. We are the intercessors. We are the burden bearers. We are the ones who move the ship. We don't need to be seen by men because we, are, we know we are seen fully by our Lord. So tonight, you know, just take this word to yourself. Jesus speaking to you.
Rise. Stand on your feet. For I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister, to make you an under-rower, to make you somebody that I can use in my kingdom to send the warship and break enemy powers and enemy warships and bring life and deliverance in the land and protect the kingdom of God and to witness both of the things which you have seen and, hallelujah, of the things which I will yet reveal to you. The Holy Spirit will lead our life and lead us on. We'll be used of the Lord, used in ministry, used for breakthrough, used for healings, used for signs and wonders, used for influence on the land, so that the kingdom of our Lord might be glorified. The kingdom of our Lord might advance in the mighty name of Jesus our Lord. Let's stand together tonight. Let's encourage our hearts. We belong to Jesus. Love slaves of Christ, the galley slaves of the kingdom. With joy and with honor, we will do everything we can for our Lord and Savior to make sure he gains victories, that the Lamb gains the victories of the cross of the nations of the earth. Precious name of Jesus tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Let, let our heart burn for the Lord tonight.